Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. This is 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew, and my good friend, Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, Everett's jazz fingers, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? I don't think you missed a, a single beat there. No, you just gave me jazz fingers. That was good. I'm doing really well, man. Good to see you. Good. <laughs> good to see you. Yeah, I mean, it's been a fucking long day, dude. Good to open beers next to you. Beer. It open. has been a long day. Yours has been more trying for sure, but a long day. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's one of those things, right? It's like, oh yeah, I could complain, but I probably shouldn't. Well, I did do you any good because I don't care. I did close on a house today. Congratulations! Don't I did care. I did. A, I did a site visit nice. with an eighty-five-year-old woman whose neighbors are building a fence, and we we walked literally arm in arm. Around her 88 acre property. Wow. <laughs> Masked up. She was wearing gloves. But she still insisted on arm in arm. She did. She's uh she's 88. She probably needed the support. 85. And her property is hilly. And it was indeed uh, a support thing. And then I told my wife, I spent the morning walking a lovely country estate. With a with a very very sweet woman. She doesn't have like a side by side or something to travel the property. Uh, you know she doesn't. I think she actually likes walking. That's a long ass walk. Uh, yeah. I mean, we were out. You know, it, it's not that far. For eighty five, it is. It, it, <laughs> I mean, I was gonna say we were out for it was like two hours. Yeah, I, I had to see the whole property. I, I don't know that I had to see the whole property, but, but she, she wanted insist, you to. She insisted I yeah. see the whole And she's property. paying you up for the hour, so <laughs> walk she, on, sweetheart. She at one point told me that she was very glad I had come out and that she was feeling a lot of catharsis and that she uh, was okay with the price for the catharsis, which, <laughs> which I was like, well, that's nice. At least she knows I'm billing her my normal rate for every second yeah. of this. You're like, you know what? I enjoyed it so much. <laughs> I'm going to charge you the normal rate. <laughs> my walking rate is significantly higher. Yeah. How are you? Uh, good. You know, tired. We had our inspection today. Our house, as far as we know, cleared inspection. So uh, we're starting the wheels rolling on our on our house neighbor to you. And so did both did both the, the house you're selling and the house you're buying get inspected? House I'm selling got inspected. House I'm buying gets inspected next week because this was our trigger for subsequent activities. So next week we have our inspection at the house we're buying, which will also, I imagine, be free clear. It's not a very old house. It's an, mm. And it's already been through an inspection. Yeah, just just through um, an inspection. Did did was there a buyer's repair addendum on that? Did and they... they've done all those things. <sighs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So you know that it's gonna. Well, you suspect it's gonna be good. Yeah, they did all those things, and then it. I don't know. Their sale fell apart. Good for me. Good. Good for you. I mean, they'd have done it anyway. Yeah. Well, I don't know. In this market, it's hard to convince people to do things because there's as is offers that are over asking price also. So <laughs> like it actually turns out we're not doing anything. Like unless you unless the copper piping and wiring has been removed from the house. That bitch is getting sold in this market. Yeah. And even yeah. then, it's like, well, you know, we can we can put new shit in. Yeah, that's right. So that's right. So I do think we should stop yammering on. Because you we stop got a, yammering. We got a big topic today. We have I'm, an exciting topic. We, we, I'm going to yammer for the next hour and 15 minutes. Yeah, but we shouldn't just yammer about nonsense and bemoan the fact that we only have an hour to talk about our 
topic. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll hit this one early. Uh, Thank you for those of you who have gone on iTunes and added reviews and ratings. Uh, I don't know if it's helpful or not. I'm told it is helpful. Uh, iTunes being the biggest carrier of podcasts, ratings and reviews are extremely valuable for algorithms and all kinds of things that... I for sure don't understand. Everett claims to understand, but I'm certain he doesn't either. I, I do um, not claim any such they, thing. They are, for some reason or another, like Yelp reviews, wherein if there's a lot of positive reviews, those listings get pushed to the top. You know, I don't know if if the algorithmic, uh, if the algorithmic reality of our review page on iTunes does anything i do know it helps my self-esteem it does because (laughs) there are not nearly well proportionately there's still just as many bad reviews proportionately there's not so many mean reviews because some of them were just digs it was like what what why (laughs) (laughs) i don't like the sound of my voice either i also know i'm not funny like these are not new to me why would you have to point it out that's just mean next you're gonna go after my baldness hey hey do you know you have a mole on your cheek yeah Yeah. motherfucker i do know it's there it lives there with me we're friends moly moly uh so Feel free, please do, in fact, hit up iTunes, smash that like button in the way of five stars. Like and subscribe, um, bro. Yeah, so write us a review. We're we're happy to take suggestions for future episodes. Yeah, yeah so that was suck. the original pitch. It was like, put them on there and we'll do it. We haven't gotten any. We, although we a number of you lovely people, a number of you lovely people have left a review. Yes, we have, we have uh, probably 15 to 20 new ones. Yeah, I don't think it's that many. But. We're gonna go fifteen to twenty. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna name it and claim it, as they say, and uh, get fifteen to twenty more reviews. So so please do hit us up on the iTunes review chart, rate us. Be honest, you don't have to give us five stars. I wouldn't give us five stars, but you should, and leave a review. Ideas, we do read them uh, over and over again, such that I can quote a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, we've only got an hour. So we should spend 15 minutes. I know, only an hour. I don't think we've had... We maybe have had two episodes that have run under 60 minutes. Hey, stop bemoaning it. I'm bemoaning it. <laughs> Join us next week for another hour and a half of watches, food, drinks, Everett's Jazz Hands, and other things we like. Bye. So, today's real episode. We're going to talk digital watches again. I thought we were talking about hairsprings this week. We're going to talk about hairsprings, digital watches... And Gorilla Glue Hairspray, the newest, greatest invention coming to you from the fine purveyors. Man, we're going to have trouble this tonight. We cannot stay on it. Uh, we're talking digitals. And we've talked about digitals before. We're going a little bit different route. We're going to talk the history, the life of digitals. Mm-hmm. And did, then hopefully... Did, digital watches. Yeah, di- obviously. I'm sorry, watches. you're just not being clear. And, so I feel and then like... hopefully, at the end, we can talk some of our favorites. But we're going we're gonna to get into it. We're going to get into the, the, the life story of the digital watch. The digital watch was invented mm. in 1983 when Casio unveiled the CA53W calculator watch. Yeah. Uh, followed three years after that by the Casio World Timer. And look at us go. We're done. Very nice to see you guys. It really starts at two unique points, I think. I think the origin of the digital watch... And really, its story begins twice in history, which is kind of weird. It it first begins in 1883. Eight. Wait, 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 wait. What did you say? 1883. That's one 
1883. That 19, is 19th century. 100 and some years ago. 160 years ago? 40 years ago? 30 I, years ago? I think 118. It's not 118 years ago. 138? That's closer. <laughs> <laughs> I'll apply a compressor. You guys will be fine. Uh, with a fella named Joseph Palweber. 25-year-old Joseph Paul Weber. Yeah, he's just like he's banging right now. Banging. 25, and he invents a digital, and we're going to air quote, he, he digital. Pat- patents. Patents, yeah. Patents. So maybe not, he, maybe he beat somebody up and stole it, but he patented a air quotes digital mechanically powered pocket watch. Literally digital. Yeah, literally digital in that we're not getting three hands anymore. We're getting a wheel display of numbers and and these so he sold his technology to iwc and then they went on to sell it to a name that i didn't bother writing down because there was no chance i was going to be able to say it quote bet sure <laughs> he sold it to them and they started producing pocket watches using this digital display and when i mean digital display i mean a two-digit hour and a two digit or a, and, and a two digit minute window wait wait no stop your car freeze it stop your car not if you're on the freeway okay i mean emergency lanes okay he's a cop look up if you don't know if you if you don't already know what we're talking about when we say an iwc paul weber p-a-l-l-w-e-b-e-r all one word Paul Weber, if you don't know, so he's an Austrian dude. I just want to clarify this. He's Austrian. Uh, If you don't, if you don't know what this is, stop and look it up, because these are pocket watches, Mm -hmm. and it it may be hard to imagine what this looks like if you haven't seen it. But from the dial down view, you've got an hour. Imagine four date windows. An hour date window at about 12 o'clock. Mm-hmm. At just under where the center post would be, you've got two date windows. You've got two, they're not date windows, but they're windows with digits in them for the minutes. Mm-hmm. So you've got a big date window up top, and right in the middle you've got two minute windows. And they're powered by three separate wheels. Yes, Three separate wheels. So the hour turns independently from... The minutes. The minutes. And and the minutes, the first digit and the second digit also move independently. And they rotate opposite, correct? Uh, Perhaps. I wanted to say that the minutes rotated opposite. That sounds right. Now, Now, with that, because this was internationally sold, it also comes with a weird label under the hours, indicating hours. And as as an arch, like a, uh, imagine a horseshoe mm. under the hours, indicating hours, and then an inverted horseshoe over the minutes, indicating minutes. Now these, as sold, were typically a blank dial that were then hand painted, and some of them are just magnificent works some, of art. Yeah, some of these enamel, you know, little many of them are enamel, if not all of them. But yeah, I, I mean, I was blown the fuck away by these yes gorgeous yeah, awestruck i want one 
So the first digital watch, 1883. There was a couple iterations of that. There, uh, the the people who bought it from IWC. Quartabet. Sure. Uh, they made a rectangular iteration, but the same the same layout, obviously, right? This is the same movement powering this watch. So you're still getting your 12 o'clock uh, hours and your 6 o'clock-ish minutes, we'll say for reference. I- IWC estimates that about 17,000 of these get made uh, between roughly 1883 and 1890. Yeah, and they were they were sold and, and marketed as heirloom items because now, number one, they're a novel movement. These they're, are precious metals. Brand new, precious metals and hand-painted dials. Super cool. If if for no other reason for us now, just to look at pictures of them, because I, I imagine very few of us are ever going to get to handle one of these in person. And if you're one of the fortunate few, congratulations. Next big. Did you find one of these for sale? You always look these up. I usually look them up for sale. I was scared to. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna have I'm gonna have some 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 uh some liquid assets here soon. And uh I didn't wanna You're gonna poop? No, 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 no. I'm selling a house. Take me to the twentieth century. We're gonna take you to very early in the twentieth century. To a world's fair. Which by the way, why don't we have any more? COVID. Did we have world's fairs? And woke libs. When was the last time we had a world's fair? I don't know. <laughs> I'd go to a World's Fair. Yeah. Or have we just reached the pinnacle of development in science? It's all done. Well, that tracks. Next. Next important development. It's the 1904 World's Fair. Mm-hmm. St. Louis. A product that was patented, developed in 1903. I patented. got it in 1902. That's okay. Hey, I'm just... Potato, potato. Eugene Fitch patented the Plato clock. A digital, air quotes again, digital clock. And and, and unlike unlike the uh, Paul Weber, this is not wheels turning. Mm-mm. This is much more, in my mind, much more uh, modern, current. This is kind of what I think of when I think of a digital, an analog digital. But it's, it's a flipping cards type of deal card slipping on a spring release i mean it's a mechanical watch it's a mechanical clock but the spring tension rather than rotating hands is flipping cards kind of like a imagine a uh train or airport uh display board but horizontal as opposed to vertical yeah and that's what it's doing it's flipping cards and rotating through hours and minutes of the day it's in like a glass bell yeah I yeah. want one. And those are actually reasonable. You you can find them for sub $300. That's not bad at all. No, and obviously they're not 1903 vintage, but... And so these are introduced by the Ansonia Watch Company. Mm-hmm. I might be saying that wrong. You know say, what was else... Those things wrong. You know what else was introduced at the 1904 World's Fair in St. Louis? Corn dogs. Red Hot Ripplets. Oh, America. Really? I made, no, I made oh, that up. Gosh. I made it up just Man, now. I was pumped. I'm going to look it up real quick. <laughs> and so I don't have a ton to say about a Plato clock, but 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 needless to say, this is technology that still kind of gets used today. Less so now, but certainly in the 80s and 90s, sporting events in particular are still using similar technology, the flipping card technology. You've seen this, whether you know it or not. 
pretty for a couple other just real quick inventions that were released in the 1904 World's Fair. Mm-hmm. X-ray machine. Oh man, that's a big one. Electric typewriter. That. <laughs> that's actually pr- way earlier than I would expect, given that I I remember typing on a on a mechanical on a mechanical typewriter, and it wasn't that old. <laughs> uh the t- the tele autograph. It's a fax machine. Telephone answering machine, then called the pulse on telegraphone. Tabletop stove, coffee maker, automatic potato masher. Need one of those. Bread machine and dishwasher. So we're getting into like really modern technology in the way of household items. Yeah. And a Play-Doh clock. (laughs) (laughs) Which speaks to the insane orological advancements that have been made in the 20th and 21st centuries. So, so, and to be clear, I think when people say digital watches, uh, digital clocks, they're not really thinking about mechanical digital. No. They're thinking about electric slash electronic. We're thinking LCD screen, battery powered. Certainly electric powered, yeah. right? Which yeah. takes us to 1956. Yeah. That's a big jump. A fellow named D.E. Protzman with some other folks. You guys, let me tell you. The information on this fellow and these these things we're about to talk about is scant at best. <laughs> so a fellow named D.E. Protzman, who we can't really nail down. Or even confirm was alive, born, or died. And quote unquote others patent the first digital alarm clock it's an analog affair uh it's digital ish with sort of a mechanical analog timekeeping so i'm I'm, what what i'm thinking is these are the early digital clocks that are still play-doh clocks for the most part but they're plugged in and it's unclear to me if this was ever produced yeah i think maybe not (laughs) We're patented in 56 digital alarm clock. I mean, we all know that the real key to success is just patenting or <laughs> trademarking something and then suing people or, for others. Or at least applying for a patent. Yeah. And saying for some period of time that a patent is pending. Mm-hmm. Just like the inside of a porta potty. A porta potty has not been improved upon in 40 years. Patent still pending. says patent pending on the inside. <laughs> In 1970, D. Protzman and and his and his unidentified friends, <laughs> the the mythical they who always get you into trouble and the source of all your mistakes, they patent another electrical this time electric digital alarm clock. Also unclear, lol, if this one was ever made. Yeah, and maybe not. I mean, certainly prototypes. You would imagine. Maybe they just patented it and sold the technology. And then had an NDA. Right? I think that gets us, I think that really, that really gets us to the second beginning of this story. And now we're the third, actually. I mean, the first, second, the first, second to kind of share. Act three. I mean, the first and second are 20 years apart. And then the 50s. Have you ever, when you listen or, or edit an episode or something, like come to this dark realization that you'll never be a voiceover star? Yeah. I when I hear myself talk, I know that. I will never make money in voiceover work. No, we we don't make money podcasting. 
<laughs> Too true. Too true. Ah. We appreciate you listening, all seven of you. And both of our moms. <laughs> Love you, mom. Bye. So, can we move to the 70s now, please? You do whatever you want, boo. In the 1970s, a lot of things were happening in the world of virology. And and two kind of unique things were occurring at once. Donic and Eric, Donna and Eric doing their thing. In the Vista Cruiser. You know, just hanging out down the street. Uh, so in the 1970s, a couple companies, well, a lot of companies, everyone was kind of working on this pioneering technology of a digital display, of a fully digital display. This little known, totally nothing company, um, I don't mean to degrade it, but Electrodata, led by Mr. Thies, George Thies, wasn't <laughs> a player in the watch game. Maybe he was a player in other, other industries, didn't take the time to look. He was developing the, the guts of a fully digital display watch, but did not even know where to go for the skeleton and the skin. What do, I, what do I got this stuff, you guys? Yeah, I have this cool technology. And Hamilton, they were working on the outside and the light. So they had a case and the lights, but they didn't know how to illuminate said lights. They're like, well, now to the hard part. So Hamilton and Electrodata joined forces and in 1972 released, well, sort of released. There was, there's, some, there's some squish here in the timeline, but they joined forces to create the first fully electronic, fully digital display, LC, nope, LED screen watch. Yeah, well, the and, Pulsar. And and Hamilton's been working on this for a while, right? And, and in fact, they they have their prototypes circulating in 1970. So so the fellow who's leading this project, a guy named John Berger, who's uh, a Pennsylvania native, still lives in Pennsylvania, maybe dead, hard probably, to say. Probably if we're going to be real here. John Berger is is this kind of young dude at the time. He's he's in his mid 30s, and he's leading this project. <laughs> And he's charismatic. He's a super young dude. Charismatic. Sounds just like me. Just like Andrew. Almost exactly like Andrew. Probably had hair. <laughs> so just, so so nineteen seventy, he actually unveils this thing on Johnny Carson. Well, they all do. Eighteen karat gold. Johnny Carson makes a crack about not replacing Mickey Mouse and throws the fucking thing on the ground. Well, he says it's going to replace Mickey Mouse because it's going to be the day you went bankrupt. Because in 1970, and with a not always on functionality, and during the release, he had to hide the watch to sneak a battery change for how many times he'd illuminated it. They're advertising this watch for $1,500, which roughly corrected for inflation is about 23000 I don't think it's that high. Nineteen to twenty-five thousand. There was a there was a range. I've got twenty-one hundred. It's 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 actual price at about thirteen five. We don't often argue on the show, but goddamn it, Andrew. I'm pre- I'm prepared to die on this hill. <laughs> okay. It was you, a bucket you, load of money. It, it's at it's at least it's at least thirteen thousand. Perhaps as high as twenty-one thousand. We'll go. We'll accept. And it's in in, in nineteen seventy dollars. 
the $2,100 final selling price is $150 more than an entry-level Rolex. Yes. And corrected for inflation to 19000 So it's not up to twenty one. Corrected for inflation, 19000 Such that, uh, well, I mean, a little bit later anecdote, a calculator watch came out and Gerald Ford was like, yeah, I'd like that for Christmas. And I think, I want to say it was like 395 Oh, how much Yeah, it's like thirty nine fifty, almost four grand. Yeah, which corrected for inflation is like twenty nine grand, and Betty's like, nah, not happening. He's gonna get a paisley tie. This is like this is like my wife. And yeah, I. this is I'm familiar with that argument. <laughs> it's just now you can buy a calculator watch for twenty bucks. I think I'm gonna buy a sub. No, you're not. Okay. No, do it. <laughs> no, do it. So we should circle back. Uh that that's a fun anecdote. Johnny Carson's like, uh making fun of the watch and the expense of this watch but people were down with it damn they sold out in 24 hours of the of the 24 karat gold edition Eight, 18 karat gold. Oh, yeah yeah because yeah. on second release there was a there was a higher carat yeah uh i think they go 18 they go gold filled and steel in um, that order on the full release in the in 1972 you guys I don't know what to tell you. It's irrelevant. This um, is where we're at tonight. We're drinking six and a half percent. No, these aren't six and a half. These are like yard. nine seven. I don't think they're that high. Ah oh, man, fuck off. <laughs> is it six and a half percent? Yeah. <laughs> so the design is based on a digital clock made at the request of one Arthur C. Clarke mm-hmm. in collaboration with Stanley Kubrick through four. 2001 2001 Space Space Odyssey. Odyssey. And we're going to take an important aside here. 2001 A Space Odyssey was so committed to being futuristic and correctly futuristic that they didn't hire set designers. They hired aeronautics designers. They hired people to make this look right. And at the time, Hamilton was kind of the pinnacle of American watchmaking. These are spraying a lot. Are we shaking them? So Kubrick goes to Hamilton and says, make me a 2001 clock and watch while you're at it. And they do so. They realize later that the watch probably isn't going to work in the way that they designed it. But this is where it kind of all begins, where they're, they're like, we need a space age watch. No ticking. You can't hear it ticking in space. I don't remember the, the uh, tagline. I <laughs> I don't know. It's It had something to do with not being able to hear it in space, but you also couldn't hear it on the earth because it's fully digital electronic. I don't think this clock makes it to the cutting room floor, or I think this clock finds the cutting room floor. It found it. But it. if you uh, can find the uh, the original unedited, I understand there's a 20-second shot with it in it. Fantastic. Yeah. And it's a cool looking clock. If you look it up, if you Google it, uh, you'll be able to find a copy of this. So, so they take this design because this is like the future, right? And and we're in the seventies, right? Which is sixties has has spilled into the seventies at this point. Flying fucking cars and everything. The future is now, and Soylent Green is people. I don't think I understand what you just said. <laughs> let's let's continue. <laughs> So here's here was the problem. We're we're gonna point out the just absolute failures, and not failures, because this watch is an enormous success. It sells out. It's making a ton of money. It turns them into the green. Here's the problem, though. It doesn't have an always-on functionality because 
because the engineers can't figure out how to translate the battery power into powering the LED screen because LEDs consume an enormous amount of energy. So there's a button to turn it on. You would get a 1.5 second on period for every button press. So imagine for those of you with an Indiglo watch, push your Indiglo button and it will hold for neighborhood of that amount of time. And that was the amount of time you had to read your watch. So there had to be great legibility, good size screen, <laughs> but also you had limited battery presses before you had to change a battery, or limited viewings before you had to change your watch battery. Yeah, and it tears through them if you're if yeah, you're pushing this thing frequently. It eats them up. Uh, I've noticed since my uh, five-year-old has learned how to actuate the uh, illuminator buttons on my digital watches, they they noticeably last less time. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I've made I've I've made several battery changes this year. So, needless to say, this thing is a fucking hit. Yeah. It's it's a hit. So so any sort of skepticism, uh, any sort of skepticism goes out the door. Fuck you, Johnny Carson. Almost immediately, almost immediately, this is the watch to have. So so they later introduce a gold filled model, which is a little bit less money, like seventeen hundred, mm-hmm. and a and a steel model, which is a three and a quarter, I think, about three and a quarter. Yeah. Um, and and within two years. Everybody and their mother has jumped on board. U.S. semiconductor manufacturers, yes. of which there are plenty at the time, realize, oh boy, something's going on here. So the first one that jumped on board is a company called National Semiconductor. And, <laughs> Weird. And National Semiconductor quickly comes out with a module for 125 bucks, which is about half the price that... Pulsars are able to produce modules for it, but at the time, so retail price one hundred and twenty-five bucks, and roughly the same time, a whole bunch of companies also get on the mix: Latronics, Texas Instruments, yeah, Commodore, fucking Intel, IBM, Hewlett Packard, Hughes Aircraft, everybody and their mother is making LED modules. Something like 30 American companies making LED or LCD, but primarily LED modules. 50 more, in addition to those 30, 50 more U.S. companies making watches with those 30 modules. And so LCD is a big a big asterisk because people can't quite figure out LCD yet. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and, and so, right, we, most of the digital watches we see today, the vast majority are LCD. It's taken for granted that LCD is the better technology. LCD in in the early 70s is not better. No. It, LCD is unreliable. Clouds. Clouds within like a month if you're using this thing regularly. So it's, it's, it's lower power consumption, but they have not figured out the liquid crystal system it's yet. also always on so at least the in the united there. states yeah this is what's there it's always on you just quick glance without battery consumption so uh, uh uh hamilton i should say hmw the company that owns hamilton and pulsar because pulsar quickly becomes its own company mm-hmm. it started as hamilton and they quickly make it its own subsidiary putting john berger in charge in 19 19- so this watch sells so well yeah. 
that in 1974, HMW sells Hamilton to SSIH. It's not because Hamilton's no longer a viable company. It's because they have a cash cow in Pulsar. Yep. <clears throat> we, and they sold really when the getting was good. Because if they'd waited a lot longer, they would have bucked. We simply do not need Hamilton anymore. So LCDs at the same time, we talked a little bit about LCDs. LEDs have this problem where they're super power hungry. The first LCD watches that are introduced in the seven in the, in the early 70s, 73, they start coming out by from American companies. They're super problematic because they go cloudy in a month. Uh that all changes in 1973, specifically late 1973, when a little company, little company from Japan called Seiko introduces this is it's the LCVFA 06 LC and you should look it up because it's, it's a, so fortunate they've changed their references <laughs> <laughs> this is the first six digit quartz watch it's got an LCD screen and at the time LCDs are trash yep this watch thousands of copies are made and not a single one of them is known to have been returned for an LCD Error. Can we also mention real quick that in 1969, they also introduced the first quartz watts and autochronograph, and then, by the way, they're dropping an LCD. That works. Seiko's doing shit. They are killing it. From 1965 to 1973, I, I don't think any watch company has ever accomplished much as much in an eight-year period as Seiko ac accomplished in that period. And you know they're an afterthought. Nobody's watching them. No, because they're coming from Japan. And they are... They're making big waves in the watch market, but in the way of the larger consumer market, they're they're not there yet. Meanwhile, the power of the LED in the United States is such that Seiko's... they Seiko unveils this fantastic LCD watch. Seiko's US marketers are saying, hey, you really need an LED watch. We're going to get squashed. Patek Philippe executives in the U.S. are threatening Patek Philippe executives in Switzerland that they're going to be out of a job if Patek doesn't make an LED watch. Yeah. People are so convinced that LED watches are the future that literally U.S. US heads of these international companies are sending correspondence threats to their foreign counterparts, headquarters, motherships, as you were, that if they don't jump on, they're going to be fucked. Meanwhile, in the Japan, in October 1973, they changed the game. Again, because they couldn't have changed it enough in the last five years. And they drop an LCD watch that doesn't cloud. They found a way to stabilize the liquid crystals, which I don't understand and I maybe should have taken more time to figure out, but I'm not smart. I don't understand how it works. What effectively, what it is, is the electric current passing through the crystals, energizes them, and causes them to be visible. That's the only way I can explain it because that's the that's as simple as it gets. Tracks. And that electric current is being drawn from the battery that is powering the quartz. Well, that's, that's zapping the quartz and causing the timekeeping. 
So meanwhile, everybody is selling a ton of watches except for Seiko. American companies in particular are killing it. Timex has an LCD watch in 74 and it kind of bombs. But but LED watches in particular are totally killing it until 1976. In 1976, Texas Instruments is sort of leading the chase for affordable LED watches. John Berger says early on, like sometime in 72, hey, I think that the modules might get down to 20 bucks, which at the time I think is sort of a benchmark. I think these modules might get to 20 bucks in 1978. Texas Instruments, and he says so pessimistically, right? Like these are going to be expensive for a while. Yep. We're not going to get this. Texas Instruments kills it. Two years early, $20 movement. And two years later, $9 movement. One year later. So the very next year, 77, $10 movement. It, we've got a $300 movement in 1972. And by 1976, we've got a, we've got a, so, so right, we, we talked about National Semiconductor mm-hmm. undercuts Pulsar by half, 125 in 73. By 1976, Texas Instruments is completely blowing the competition out of the water, but you doing so in a really reproducible way. Everybody's able to look at that and do the same stuff. Yeah. And it, so so this goes from a luxury movement, which is maybe the downfall of Quartz. It goes from a luxury technological pedestal. Gold, 18 karat full gold watches in Gerald 72. Ford is, ta- is talking about it to sammy davis jr i mean yeah. the, the the who's who of of celebrities american celebrities in particular but not just american shahs of iran right everybody's in on the game to you can grab it next to the juicy fruit at the grocery store by mid 77 you can get a three dollar led watch boom and that's what 25 bucks today or so maybe 30 Something like that. But, I mean, when, when, in fairness, we still pay $10 for an F91. Basically, LED watches become cheap crap for the masses, mm-hmm. which is a death knell. Yep. Which is a death knell. And we can blame it on Texas Instruments. Fucking calculator, guys. You know, that TI-83 Plus is still like 120 bucks. Is it really? <laughs> I have probably five of them. <laughs> you just put them on eBay. Buy yourself a... a couple calculators. Hamilton Hamilton LED watch. A Pulsar. Everyone goes tits up. And none fall harder than Pulsar because Pulsar is heavily invested in this technology. They've invested long and deep. Fully. That's the that's the company. Their entire organizational structure is based around this LED technology, which was at the time they invented it, developed production methods for it a luxury item that people were willing to pay top dollar for. and quick correction i said hamilton it's hmw who's now sold hamilton to ssah but pulsar is the is the shit but the bottom falls out they sell their name to a music company i think in texas called rhapsody who obviously later sells that name to seiko lcds wind up filling the gap yep and 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 
Seiko as the pioneer of good LCD technology really jumps in. Another company that takes advantage is Timex. Mm-hmm. Not until a little bit later. But everybody's laughing at Seiko in 74, 75. All of a sudden, Seiko's able to really start to push their product, right? It's cheaper. It's got a different feel. Uh, it, it And it's not one of these American LED busters. It's always on 10-year battery life. I mean, shit. I'm looking at my... I mean, it's Casio, but it's got 10-year battery printed right on the dial. They could do it. They could do it. Always on, always legible, and cheap. By 1980, there's only one American firm left. It's Texas Instruments. And and they fire everyone in 1981, like 2,200 employees, because there's no money left. The LED market has... The American... LED watch market has totally bottomed out. Because there's something better. There's something to be learned here. Uh, there's obviously something to be learned. I'm not smart enough to learn it. Don't try to beat Seiko. <laughs> <laughs> They're just doing it. it so, so 1980s, Timex is starting to kill it. 83, 84, they've got their Timex Ironmans, uh, triathlon watches, and they're just everywhere. They're and, and companies like that that are this SIHH group and Hamilton and all these other luxury brands are still gasping for air. Not only are they suffering from the quartz crisis, but they're also in the midst of like, how the fuck do we beat these LCD screen digital watches? Companies like Youngins are are dropping watches. Tissot's dropping watches. These these entrenched Swiss companies are dropping digital watches just to try to stay alive. Yeah, that's right. This is this is sort There's, of yeah. when we talk about quartz crisis, this is the death this is the the last stage of the quartz crisis. You, you, you know, 1980s Casio becomes a real player too. So so Timex becomes a player, Casio becomes a player. Uh 1983 DW5000 is released. The G-Shock. Uh 1984, the very cheap CA53W Casio, Casio calculator watch, which I'm wearing right now. And I have one in the mail. That gets dropped. 1989, the famous F91W gets introduced. And basically in that time, like a thousand other Casio digital watches are on every elementary school kid's wrist. And are still in production today, folks. <laughs> And most and most of them are still in production today. Seiko introduces a TV watch. Yeah, which is super cool, but basically not functional. Even not a functional, bit. but basically using the same same technology. It's got like a weird little adapter plug in that you can plug into your wall, and you can watch black and white TV on your. You know, I was thinking about this. Screen. I don't know if the, these would work at all anymore. In fact, I, I suspect they would not. I'm tempted to get one and test it out on the toilet because that's really the only place that you would need it, right? Like, imagine Super Bowl Sunday. You're like, man, this has to happen right now, but it's the fourth quarter. <laughs> you just go plug it into the wall and you get to watch Super Bowl while you're addressing the chicken wings and corn dogs that you've consumed. Continue. 1990, Young Hens releases their M1 radio watch, which we've talked about on this on this show before. We have. Uh, I love that asymmetric case. 
I think 1993, Seiko introduces a Scuba Master, which is the first dive computer, and and, and so on and so forth, right? This is the, the rest of the story is recent enough that we can kind of collect it mentally without too much labor. Mm-hmm. You know, the only thing that we couldn't find, and we'd be interested to hear your thoughts. Oh, yeah. The first digital ABC. We, so we know of a 1962 altimeter mechanical. We can find that. We struggled to find the first digital, all digital, all electronic ABC. My guess was that it came, it, that it's from a debunked, or defunct, debunked, defunct? Defunct. A defunct company whose shtick was ultra tool watches. And they produced for a year or two and ultimately sold. That's my guess. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's a super specialized market that you're not going to be able to generate a lot of sales in, but it's a technology that's really valuable to an already viable company. That's my guess. I think that's right. But I don't know. We couldn't find it. But I think that's right. Yeah, but I want to know. <laughs> I like to know. When is the first ABC watch, you guys? Yeah. Uh, also, an interesting uh, aside to the always-on battery dilemma. It wasn't until the Apple Watch Series 5 that they were able to solve battery consumption for always-on. Mm-hmm. It's a huge dilemma. And Seiko was like, we got this. We got this. Yeah, I, I mean, at, at some point, right, just innovation it is going to present itself. I think what Seiko has done better than many, many, many companies. Any. I'm willing to go so far as to say any other company. Is that they have picked the right pony, for lack of a better phrase, right? Yeah. They picked the right pony at the right times, in the right ways. They picked right. And it's almost as simple as that, right? It's, they, yeah. It's not that Seiko was working harder than Texas Instruments or or Pulsar. It's that they <laughs> they just picked right. They don't make mistakes. I'm not going to suggest it's luck because I don't think it was. They just had their finger on the pulse of what was coming next. Yeah. And they don't they don't get uh hung up by this is the way we do it. And this is the way it's being done. They, they're, they, they, Seiko seems to be a very nimble company for as big as they are and as big as they've always been to be able to say, this is the next thing. And they, they obviously make mistakes. They have, they have bump, like just bombs. Well, you know, the Astron, right? The Astron fails. The Astron is a failure. But it's a milestone in technological development. And it exists today. Is it a failure? And I mean, I don't, I don't, there's a whole lot of other components there, but they, they do a very good job of not getting stuck or tied to the thing and being willing to let it go. They move on, rub it out. Yeah. Just like most of us do. (laughs) (laughs) Can we talk about a couple? today 
get these cool watches watches yeah we don't have a ton of time and so we're gonna fucking blast yes so i'm gonna caveat all of my picks with saying these are all watches that i really dig and 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 me too right so so andrew makes some picks here today i make some picks and then we have basically decided to adopt each other's picks so you're gonna get five watches we both picked all five of these correct and 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 for me they're all too big that's one of the complaints i have with the coolest digital watches of today is they tend to be too big for me i don't get like give me these watches in in like a 38 and oh, fuck yeah so my first pick is the SBEP003. Thank you, Seiko, for amending your reference numbers post your 1963 release or 1973 release. It's the Digi Tuna. This watch is so cool. It's all the things you like of the Tuna, fully digital. It's just, it's, I, I mean, I don't know if there's so much more to say about it. I love it. It's the tuna. We all know and love the tuna, but it's fully digital. And and, and we didn't pick this watch, but I think that there's another uh, watch, the the Arnie. Yeah, the Arnie, which is an Anadigi watch, mm-hmm. right? So you've got a digital display, a small digital display, and 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 a normal analog three hand timekeeping. I've got a similar watch, which is my AMW three twenty, which is I've talked about yes. ad nauseum on this show. But it, it's a very similar dial layout. Uh, both the Arnie and the SBP, the the Digi Tuna, are in that tuna that shrouded case, which mm-hmm. I think is super cool. And the AMW three twenty might be the most depicted watch in media <laughs> of all time. <laughs> it's in a shit ton of movies, even modern shows. Yeah, yeah. What was the True Detective and uh, The Office? Yeah. Made several appearances in the office. Continue. Yeah, I think the next watch I'd like to talk about a little bit, just because I think it's fun, but these Freestyle Shark classic clip watches, Freestyle Shark watches, you've seen them. They're cheap. I've almost bought one. 40, 50, 60 bucks. They come in a billion colors. An actual billion. A, a literal billion, billion different iterations. I love these things, man. They're super cool. I don't know how either of us don't have one yet because for how cheap they are. They've got they've got a nylon a nylon strap. It's adjustable. It, it's adjustable sort of with a uh, doubling back function, almost like a NATO. But it's instead of being NATO, it's closer to a mesh. It, it's on a, nylon. It's a clip, so it's actually got like a backpack toggle clip that that you use to close it. Uh, they're just, I mean, they're surf watches is what mm-hmm. they were created for, and I just love them. I love them. They're really, really they're classic. They sort of got a Casio feel. They're to super eighties feel, yeah. Super eighties, uh, you know, you know, resin cases. Uh, I think if I'm buying a digital watch today to kind of wear in the summer and just screw around with, it's one of these. A uh, hundred meters, roughly. Of water resistance, I think they're they're most of them are quote unquote three hundred feet, um, but you know roughly a hundred meters on a digital watch for fifty bucks. Do whatever you want. Yeah, it's fifty bucks. There's a I think the square the most classic square version is thirty three, um, but the they also make a bigger wider thirty eight, and I just really love them. Yeah. What do you got? I don't know. Oh, I do. Uh, next up, I've got the Breitling LCD nav timer. And this watch for me is like just a... Str- Why did you zoom in so far? That's well, like size 98 font. I didn't mean... Uh, this This is for me like just a pure 
grail style watch. Yeah, I think for me too. It is a nav timer with a single big ass one display LCD screen in the middle. It's got a slide rule, which again, we don't know how to use, <laughs> but it is so sexy. And these are like these, these show up on Chrono 24 with some regular. What are you doing on your. These show up on Chrono 24 with some regularity for between $25 and $3,500, generally in Germany. Uh, which makes me think that these were mostly sold in Germany. They're so good. They're 48 millimeters, though. That's a hard pill for me it, to swallow. Is it 48 or 45? Oh, they're 45, because the other one... The, well... Yeah, they're big, right? They're, they're big. It's they're a big Friday big. watch. They're Yeah, they're very big, and they're they're very tool watch. I am like This could be... If I were to buy this watch, it would be the absolute biggest watch I ever would own. But it's also a grail watch for me in that, like, when I, if I were ever to get to the point that I could buy one of these in good condition at, say, $3,000, it's a grail watch for me because it's not an everyday wear for me. Yeah. It's a watch that I break out occasionally, but I spent three grand on a watch that I wear occasionally. You know, Brad Holmes, uh, the planter's peanut on, on multiple social media uh sites uh brad holmes has a gold one of these i i I assume it's plated i don't know that i assume it's plated but yeah it's pretty it's really so cool it's really cool super 80s yeah and i mean it's a brightling it's got all the legacy all the heritage but it's also got all this cool technology that's kind of emerging at the time it was produced super cool watch so the only one of these watches that we're gonna talk about today that is it's maybe going to be hard to find it, it, is this next one and, and we've talked about i would say a, a distant relative of this watch about seven thousand times on our show which is the casio world timer which you've got on your wrist today um the this casio is, royale casio uh casio royale this is the seiko g757 sports 100 AKA the Octopussy Watch. That's so cool. I love the like the Seiko plate. Why? But I love it. Seen on the wrist of Roger Moore in the James Bond Phil Doctor. The Pussy. worst Bond of all time. This this watch is if you if you pull it up and look at a picture, you're going to think, oh, world timer. Different in some ways. It's not got a square or rectangular case. It sort of flares out at the top. It's got this bezel on it, a hundred or two hundred and seventy degree bezel on it. Yeah, a Seiko. Pl- I mean, this is just freaking cool. I think this is my favorite pure digital watch I've ever seen in my life. It's super cool. It's weird, and I take back Roger Moore being the worst. Timothy Dalton was the worst. Um, but you, you are gonna you. We're gonna have like ten people leave the show. There's, Timothy Dalton was in one James Bond movie. There's a reason like why. Thirty percent of our. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> you Send really us your comments with who was the worst, and it was Dalton. Uh, this is a, just a su- super cool watch, and and the reason it it is called the the reason the you think it's a Casio is because the World Timer was designed very, very, very close to this Seiko. 
Uh, it doesn't have in lieu of the uh, of all the uh, what am I? The word I'm looking for is alerts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Being in the less, top right, there's a right. there's a, a a world map on the world timer. Uh, in lieu of the world map, it has a, a column for all the alerts that are in just the first two rows of the very top right of the world timer that you're looking at right now to compare data. Yeah. Super cool. And and last up is the X33, the Seiko Speedmaster X33, which is the watch that is used to go into space currently. There's a hundred thousand iterations. I think it is absolutely and without question the most underappreciated Speedmaster there is. They're in a digi, but there's so many very, very cool iterations of them. They're titanium cased. They're just they're they're fucking awesome and and you can get them for about half the price of a pure analog speedmaster great bezel amazing crowns on these yeah uh and we're talking about the skywalker i mean in in particular we're referring to the skywalker version of this uh amazing pushers a a, a classically shaped speedmaster case Mm -hmm. twisted lugs but with some additions, with some with some super modern lines, flat surfaces where you wouldn't expect to see flat surfaces, uh, just maybe maybe the the most underappreciated Speedmaster. It's like got you it, said. like the 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 analog display is super legible, while the digital display behind it is is very legible. You you don't lose anything in your Anadigi. Uh, uh, marriage there. A lot of Anadigis, they they will tend to favor the analog display mm. and give you just a short bar of digital display. Yeah, this does not do that. This is not doing that. The entire dial is your digital display and you have your analog standard three hand running over top that doesn't interfere with your view and legibility of it. You, you know, I think that there's... I, I think... Obviously, this is a space watch, which makes it neat. Uh, I think the dial out is very cool and good. Uh, I, I think where where underappreciation for this watch comes from is of the the case. The yeah. casework on this thing is it's it's phenomenal, incredible. Everything has been adapted from the Speedmaster we all know and love to fit a digital chronograph. It, it's so it's so completely different, but so completely familiar. I dig it. <laughs> I would. I think. I. I mean. And I. I'm. I'm on that weird. I should have a Speedmaster, but I should also have an SKX. I think if I'm gonna get one, I think an X33 is the way I go. I dig it, man. I dig it. It's. It's a great. I, I mean, you can find these two for. 2500 3000 eh, more between between 2 and 3 you're going to find these and there's lots of iterations there's a uh, a 45 degree dial rotation like that Seiko so that motorcycle you, watch yeah like the like the motorcycle watch there's a the lot Gigaro. of iterations and you're going to be able to find one that you like if if for no other reason than to make as your computer or phone background andrew other things go mm I have another thing. It's in my notes. I came prepared. <laughs> Go to Lowe's.com. Go to Lowe's. And search Commander Storage Totes. 
I'm going to suggest that the HDX are better, but okay, keep going. Suggest all you want. Commander storage coat totes come in coat. at least three sizes. And here's what I like about them. And well, I like a lot of things about them. Number one, most storage totes that you get, like whether it be KitchenAid or Rubbermaid or not KitchenAid, Rubbermaid or any of the other thousand iterations all claim to be stackable, which they are. You can stack anything. You can stack cards. Doesn't mean they're meant to be stacked. These commander totes are meant to be stacked. They have a... Uh, a wee, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Protrusion at the bottom of them that fits perfectly into an indentation in the lid. They lock nicely. They have already drilled and cut out holes around the entire perimeter of the lid and tote, which allow you to lock them if for some reason you need to be locking your totes. But they stack and they almost, almost lock together. They don't, necess- they don't lock together, right? But they lock together, such that if you push one, it doesn't fall off. Yeah, they're, they're great. They are terrific. And here's the best part. They're cheap AF. The 27-gallon tote costs $10.98 at your local Lowe's. Yeah. Which means even if they break, who cares? Yeah, no, that that's right. You know, I, I went with the Home Depot version of this when we did the same. I spent like $400 on totes uh, one Saturday. Yeah, I saw your mountain. <laughs> uh, because Largely, we wanted to have matching. Yeah. We wanted to have matching, you know, not, not aesthetically... Matching. You wanted them to be able to stack. You wanted to be able to interchange. Exactly. You didn't I, want to have to worry about what lid winch to so, tote. And we're moving, so it just made sense. So we bought a bucket load of these. I went with Home Depot, but they're basically the same, right? The HDX at Home Depot or the Commander Totes at Lowe's. They're phenomenal. I think if you're the type of person who says, why would I buy a $500 watch when I could get a $1,500 watch? If, if you're that type of person, and some of you... Some of you amazingly are in our in our listener crew. You may consider the Rubbermaid Roughneck. I think that that mm. is the only tote that is better than this, but they cost about three times as much. Yeah, uh, totes. I love it. Great yeah. pick. We, and and the nice part about it is is organization is key to everything. To everything, knowing where things are. My Sam was making fun of me because I'm starting packing already and on every box i have the contents not all the contents right but like the general contents the room it will be delivered to and the sequence number of that box so on my first box i have one of i don't know how many boxes or totes i'm going to use and on subsequent boxes i have their corresponding number so that when everything is delivered to my house I can verify that all of my boxes live in the same place. This is why Sam made fun of me. But here's the thing. I don't lose boxes when I move. These totes are money. They stack. They organize nicely. They have about five different sizes, and they cost next to nothing. They're great. Organize uh, your garage. Or organize that shit. I'm sorry to make fun of you like I was No, make sleeping. fun of me all you want, because you have 25 of them in your garage right now. <laughs> I got another thing. It's every single bit is boring. Do me. All right, you guys, listen. If there's ever been anything 
discussed in other things that I'm going to extremely strongly in the in in the most direct sense possible recommend you buy. It's this. This is for sure something that every single one of you should own. Vasectomy. A vasectomy. Please call your doctors. No. It is a travel on T R A V E L O N windshield cleaner and defogger. So this is a, no, this a, is the sponge. This is a company that makes a sponge window defogger and Eddie Bauer over the years has sold these branded these travel on these travel on brand uh sponges and it is without a doubt so we we do them as stocking stuffers. I've never got one. Well, I've never made a stocking for you next year, boo. Fuck off. I'm gonna live across the street. <laughs> Truth. I'm gonna put my Christmas tree in your house. Every year when I get one of these, uh, you, you know, some people, I, everybody's got new cars, modern cars, and so maybe it's not a big deal, but you can put it in the bathroom. It is the single most effective defogging method I have ever encountered in my life. Besides letting your car warm up? Yeah. yeah. It's more effective than that because... It's instant. You know when you wipe the mirror in the bathroom after the after your shower with a towel? Don't do that. Say you want to see the mirror. You you wipe the fog. It comes back instantly. This thing actually, it's sort of coated with like a uh, microfiber, some sort of chamois material. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy, man. It is crazy. It's so stupid. They cost $5.25 today. Travel on, windshield cleaner, and defogger yellow one size and you wipe like a sponge you wipe like a sponge and it absorbs the moisture so every every january i get into my car with my new one of these because they crack and get and they get yucky. yeah they're chamois they're kind of leathery every january i'm like dude these are so cool five bucks 25 cents get it use it for any defogging situation and tell me it's not the greatest purchase of your life and in the world we live in where some folks wear glasses and we have to wear masks oh my god it's the worst yeah andrew anything you want to add review us hit us on itunes review us with episode ideas tell us what you like tell us what you like overlook the things you don't overlook the things you don't (laughs) just like marriage yeah Love us for us. Thank you for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20. Check us out on our website. That's watchclicker.com. That's where we put reviews and every episode of the podcast, articles. Sometimes fun stuff actually gets posted there. Check us out on Instagram at 40 and 20 at watchclicker. If you want to support us, you can do that at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. And don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.